So it's cool to see how you guys have been changing while I've been off. Changing. Gallivanting. <laughs> changing in other ways. Um, those of you guys, so I, we had people over to our house last Sunday evening, and I showed some pictures. These are actually the same pictures, so I'm sorry, but I'm going to say different things, so just listen. <laughs> but I thought you all might want to see some of um, the work we've been doing. Um, I want to talk about humility today, because that's kind of been an overarching theme this year. I feel like a lot of things that I've learned have just tied back into the importance of humility and learning how not humble I am, <laughs> really at all. Um, but before I get into that, I just want to explain a little bit more about what we've been doing. Um, also, want to introduce you guys to my team. This is my team, these beautiful people. This is actually almost exactly a year ago that this photo was taken now, which is weird to say. Um, this is Cassie, David, David, Andrew, Anita, Cass, that's me, Cass, myself, <laughs> and Sarah. And we're... These are the Canadians, <laughs> and these are the Americans, and this is the German right there, <laughs> the little blonde girl. Um, yeah, so these are the people who have been have been traveling with me and actually I think have impacted my character probably more than most of the people we encounter, which is for usually a much briefer amount of time, but I've lived with these people 24-7. All year long. <laughs> and that is bound to change you. So um, this is just a slightly more accurate representation of our relationships. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, um, so just slight short recap of what we're doing. Um, traveling with these people to 11 different countries all year. I've, it's through University of the Nations, which is a university run by an organization that many of you are familiar with. I don't know if all of you are. Youth with a Mission. Um, and um, we're doing a program called the Photogenics Round the World Track, which is an 18-month program. We have six months left. All last year, we traveled and took classes in communication and leadership and worldview, biblical history, and um, we would alternate between having those classes and then having an outreach where we would partner with different ministries that were working um, and making an impact in different areas of injustice. So our goal is to learn to use media and digital storytelling to expose injustice throughout the world, but also to point out the people who are kind of shining a light in those really dark corners of the world. Um, so the next six months are actually going to be in the U.S. We have a three-week workshop, a writing workshop in Texas, where we'll be writing the stories of the people we've met along, like, all last year that will accompany the photos we've taken. And then we will go from Texas to Hawaii. Oh, I know the suffering. <laughs> <laughs> but there's a really big YOM base there where they have a lot of resources. So we're gonna be using those resources to design, produce, and publish a book and a website with all of the material. So after this incredible experience of traveling the world, we want to have a tool um, to, uh, raise awareness about the different things that we've seen. And also the proceeds from book sales will go back into some of the ministries that we've worked with. Um, so we want to continue to invest in those people and what the Lord is doing around there. So that's what's been going on uh, all year. And that's, yeah, a short little recap of what I've been doing. Oh, do you guys want to hear where I've gone? Sure. Yes. <laughs> okay. Um, here's the list. 
Argentina, Peru, Thailand, Indonesia, Jordan, Israel, Greece, and then we went to the Netherlands in two separate teams. Um, the other team went somewhere else. They went to Romania and Rome. We split into two smaller groups. And then I had a week off and I went to Germany because I was next to the, the Netherlands. And then we <coughs> regrouped in South Africa. And then we had an individual outreach where everyone planned their own thing. We kind of all split up for the last month of the year. And I went to Spain. Um, yeah. So that's what's been going on. I think that's all I wanted to tell you, you guys about You kept the airlines busy, right? I did. Got a lot of air miles. <laughs> <laughs> Except I still have to do some of that right. stuff. <laughs> anyway. Um, also, <coughs> a little bit more before I go into humility stuff. I want to introduce you to some of the people that we met. Because um, there are specific people that I think it would be really great if y'all could be praying for. Because um, they're really cool. <laughs> and they're doing great things. Um, this is Diego. He's an actor in Buenos Aires. He's really, really good. He um, acts. He's his career has really been taking off, and he's actually the son of the um, director of YWAM Argentina. And he has a really cool ministry in um, the theater world, which is you know notoriously very. Um, there's just a lot that goes on there. There's a lot of drugs. There's uh, there's a lot of uh, gay people that are involved in theater. His his director is like the most notorious. Like he's very very famous for being like a gay rights activist in Buenos Aires, um, and he just has this really amazing voice and access to like talk to these people of all walks of life. That it's just not there's not a lot of Christian influence in that world. So this is Diego. This is him giving glory to the Lord after he played the role of the the portrait artist in uh, Portrait of Dorian Gray. Um, I'm going to skip through some of these. <laughs> um, this is in Lima, Peru. This is a ministry mm -hmm. called Brazos Abiertos. This is where the ministry is. If you can see, there's some buildings up here, but this is a, like people are living in this dump, essentially. And these are some of the kids that live there. There's a ministry mm -hmm. called Brazos Abiertos. Please be praying for them because they're doing amazing work. Um, they are taking in children, um, ministering to them, but they're also, what I find really cool is they're investing in families, not just the little kids that come. They have seminars where they invite mothers and fathers to come and learn how to be better parents. There's um, a lot of absent fathers, or even if they're not physically absent, they're emotionally absent. Um, they go to work. They come home, they have a beer and watch football, um, and they don't interact very much with their kids. But through the example of some of the families that are involved in this ministry, the community is like seeing a, a, a transformation in the lives of their children because of the role, the father role that um, the man that leads this ministry has had. Um, so they're trying, to, they're starting to take notice, and that's really amazing. So pray for brazos abiertos in Lima, that it will grow, that they really need a lot of resources right now. They're very small. They're a small team, and it's a huge community. So, they have a lot of need. Um, <clears throat> this is also in Lima. These are some drug addicts that live under a bridge that we worked with. Um, this guy, Jesus, um, met Jesus Cristo. <laughs> He met Jesus while we were there. He actually was a Christian when he, in his younger years, and he re-encountered the Lord um, and rededicated his life to Christ while we were there. Um, 
This is Victor. He works with YWAM, and pray for him to like continue to invest in these relationships since we're not there anymore to continue that. But also pray for these guys, especially Jesus, um, who live under this bridge in in Lima, um, and pray that he'll continue to pursue the Lord. I'm gonna skip a little bit. Um, this is Ashi. He's a lady boy in Thailand that we had the opportunity to meet and work with. Um, there's not really an existing ministry that, at least that we found in Thailand, especially it's particularly in Chiang Mai, um, which is a really big tourist city, and this is a major attraction in that city, yeah. the um, Chiang Mai Cabaret Show. So we, my friend Sarah and I, went here very often, and we met with these guys and we talked with them. Um, but there's no one that's still doing that. So that's something that's really on my heart um, to see those relationships continued and like people continue to reach out to these guys. Um, yeah. So his name is Ashi. Um, there's also other friends of ours were Natalie and Candy and Annie. <laughs> so, but I only have a photo of him in this little PowerPoint. Sorry. Um, yeah. Um, this is another ministry with ladyboys that's really on my heart. This one's in Jakarta in Indonesia. This man's name is Jeffrey, and he's amazing. He ministers to, he just disciples and ministers to um, a lot of transvestites that live in um, a few slums in Jakarta. Um, this man's name is Eddie, and he is a believer now, um, but he really struggles financially because his he essentially supported himself through being a transvestite through dancing on the streets and um, through prostitution. Um, and yeah, he doesn't have other employment right now. So be praying that the Lord will mm -hmm. provide for him because while we were there, he was had a lot of inner struggle. Like he would, he didn't want to go out and do those things, but he didn't know how else to pay his rent or to buy his food. So um, just pray for provision for Eddie and, and for um, Jeffrey. Jeffrey's like, doing really amazing things um he, he also is helps out with medical care a lot with um, some of these guys so yeah be praying for jeffrey there are other things i want to talk about so i'm kind of rushing <laughs> uh i'll just do one more um this is azaldine he uh is an iraqi man that i met in jordan he's he was a refugee in Syria, and now he's a Syri He's another. He's like a two-time refugee in Jordan now. Um, his family left when he was like in his early teens or so. Left from Iraq, and then they li lived in Syria, rebuilt their lives. And last year, or like a year and year and a half ago, they had to leave Syria. And he's not very. He's not in a really good place. He, there's a lot of racism in Jordan against Iraqis. So he has a really hard time there. We actually like witnessed a couple of encounters where um, he was treated very poorly. Um, he's Muslim, um, so we're still in contact with him. Um, a few of us on the team, but we we really want him to um, be connected with some believers in in Amman um, who can continue to minister to him and share the gospel. Mm -hmm. But he's very open, and he's also hurting a lot so those are the main people that are really on my heart there's some others but i'm gonna move along because <laughs> i feel like i've already been talking for like 10 minutes so 
Um, I want to share a little bit more about what what I've learned personally um, on this track and some of the ways that like God has been speaking to me and transforming my character. Um, and it all really kind of came together in Cape Town. Um, we had our track pastor come and visit us. He comes and checks on us like every couple of months. And he talked to us about humility. Um, and there were just, it was really wonderful. We read Andrew Murray's book called Humility, which I would encourage everyone mm. to read if you haven't read it. Um, and I, I kind of came to the belief that um, I can't be an, an effective Christian. I can't love people effectively if I don't, if I'm not humble. Um, and those love, love and humility are just these absolutely inseparable things. You can't, like, if love is serving people, if love is, I mean, if you look at what Jesus did, like what he, sorry, Ugh, I have notes. I should just read them because <laughs> I'm not saying it well. <laughs> okay, here we go. I'll just read, here I'll read the Bible. <laughs> Those are good words. Yay. <laughs> um, 1 John three sixteen through 17. We know what real love is because Jesus gave his life for us. So we ought also to give up our lives for our brothers and sisters. If someone has enough money to live well and sees a brother or sister in need but shows no compassion, how can God's love be in that person? So if you say, we know what real love is because Jesus gave his life for us. So literally the embodiment of love is Jesus, God of the universe, Make, coming down to earth, making himself man, and dying. And if that's not lowering yourself, I don't know what is. Like, so um, that really impacted me, and I've, n- I've never read that scripture and had that kind of perspective on it. That um, acts of humility are acts of love. Um, yeah, and so in in my life, that looks really different. Um, giving up our lives doesn't. Doesn't if it's if it looks like giving up your life physically, it's only one time. But in a day in a daily walk, what does giving up your life look like? Um, we call it dying to self a lot. Some Christianese for you. Um, so we talked a lot about like surrendering of rights, and this really changed my perspective. Um, and I th- I'd had this like thought before, but it kind of came back. Um, the idea of entitlement versus um, gratefulness. So these are some of the the rights that I had a really hard time giving up this year. (laughs) Sleeping in a bed, uh, hot showers, privacy, independence, personal space, order, good communication, internet, food I like, uh, air conditioning, peace and quiet, um, structure, like reliable plans, so these are a lot of things that we did not have <laughs> for a while, and it's really hard. I could go on. Um, the list could be longer. Yeah. So I learned that I have I have a choice whenever I'm, I'm whenever I encounter one of these situations where which is like all the time when I don't have privacy or when things are not communicated well to me and I have to totally change gears like that. Um, because I can, I can easily get really upset like that. And that stems from this belief that I am entitled, that I have a right to this. Like, I have a right to know what's going on in my life. And apparently I don't. Um, <laughs> so what I learned is the best, and this is, this is something I'm still learning, because this is not 
a reflex at all. <laughs> um, the best way to deal with a lack of these things that I'm used to being givens is to realize that I am not, in fact, entitled to them. They are gifts for me to be grateful for when they're given to me, but I have no right to demand them or throw a fit or just get upset <laughs> when I don't have them. I didn't really throw fits, but I would get really put out, and I'd be like, come on, Anita, who's my leader? Why didn't I know this <laughs> yesterday? Because this is really difficult. Um, if I'm really honest with myself, I'm not entitled to anything at all, not even my own life. And that's something that growing up in America can make really hard to get in my head. Because our society, I'm just reading this because I wrote it well, and I can't say it well. <laughs> but growing up in America makes this really hard to get in my head. Because our society is perpetuated with be the belief that we deserve all of these things. That I owe it to myself to treat myself to fun things. That I am entitled to whatever it is that's going to make me happy. But really, that's not true. None of that's true at all. At all. But that's something that I don't consciously think. It's just kind of like a belief that my behavior stems from. And when I think about why am I reacting this way? Why am I really upset? It's because I think that I have a right, that's right. to certain treatment or certain mm -hmm. things. Um, so, um, we learned about having a posture of gratefulness. And this was a huge thing in our team because we'd, we'd been struggling with this added, like a lot of complaining was going on, especially in the, with the communication thing because you kind of, get over some of the other things, but, like, I don't know. There's some things that, like, certain teams can just, you know, no big deal. But uh, our team was really upset about communication and not knowing what was going on, and there was a lot of blame being passed around and people not trusting other people. Um, so to deal with this attitude of complaining, we had to learn about gratefulness. And a posture of gratefulness says that I am entitled to nothing, Everything I have is a gift and a blessing. So when I actually know something that's going on, I can just be super grateful about that. <laughs> and just say, praise the Lord. And it just, yeah. It makes everything a gift. So, and when I remember that, it's easier to just be generous and gracious with people and have some peace in my life. So, that was really good. Um, yeah. So, and, all, and that... All of this can link back to humility. Um, when I, yeah, because I mean, humility says I'm not entitled to anything. Um, and what I do have, I'm grateful for. Um, another really important thing that I learned about humility is um, that it seeks to understand before it seeks to be understood. Um, and that's, I mean, again, I don't know how to, that, you could say the exact same thing about love. They're so intertwined. Um, and this means listening. And I find a lot of times that when I'm having a conversation with someone, I'm not always really listening to what they're saying. I'm formulating a response <laughs> because I want, I want them to understand me <laughs> and I want them to hear my ideas. So I'm oftentimes more than I really want to hear and understand their ideas and their mm -hmm. thoughts and feelings. Um, so that's something that I've been trying to be more aware of just when I'm interacting with people, um, to love them more. Um, yeah. And in that seeking to understand people, um, when we seek to understand people, that really facilitates grace with each other so much. Because one of the things that we did as a team in South Africa, um, as part of this whole dealing with all of the drama that was there, was, um, we just sat around and essentially got to know each other on a deeper level. And we 
looked at these different behaviors that were like little things that people would do and kind of looked at where they came, where they stemmed from. Like, um, I'm going to, a really good example is there's this tension between um, Anita, our leader, and Cass, one of the, one of the students. Um, because Anita is a very like practical person and she's like fun loving and she's not, she's not like really girly in the, in the way that some girls can be really sensitive emotionally. Like things just do not face her. You can be really blunt with her and she's not going to take it personally. She's just going to like roll with it and be like, okay, cool. And on we go. Cass is very different and she does th- take things really personally. Um, so there were, there were, there was this whole misunderstanding that Cass didn't think that Anita really cared about her because she didn't understand, like, she didn't think that certain things she would say affected her because they wouldn't affect, like, her, in her mind, like, this wouldn't affect me, I don't see why it affects someone else. Mm -hmm. But when they sit down and they have this conversation and Cass is like, this really hurts my feelings because blah, 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 and Anita's like, oh, I had no idea, (laughs) I'm so sorry. And... And then Cass realizes, oh, she's just completely oblivious. She's not trying to hurt my feelings. <laughs> mm-hmm. Cool. And then they have this understanding. And and the future, when maybe, like, Anita can be a little bit more thoughtful in the way she words things. And Cass can take things that Anita says sometimes with a grain of salt, thinking, like, okay, she's just being really practical. She's not even trying to hurt my feelings right now. So um, it was really cool to see that relationship kind of worked out. And, I mean, it, it takes a lot of practice because, you know, you have this gut reaction and then you have to stop and say, oh, okay, wait, why am I reacting this way? Why is this, what is this person's motivation for what they just did? And more often than not, the other people aren't really out to get you. So, <laughs> usually your reaction stems from your own issues. <laughs> or my, my own issues. I'm going to, I'll point that at me. Um, but yeah, so, where am I going here? That was another, that was another really great lesson in humility we learned. Just learning to listen to each other, really listen to each other, um, and hear what they're saying without, like, thinking about what you're gonna, how you're gonna react. So, that was really good. (coughs) Um... (coughs) Yeah, and uh, just a scripture to back that up, so you have... So, you know, this is from the Bible. This is not just Rachel talking. Um, Ephesians 4.2 says, Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with, with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. So, not only is um, love impossible without humility, humility is not possible without love. Mm-hmm. So, if I don't really love this person, I'm not going to want to lay down my rights and I'm not going to want to say try to understand them because I'm just like, you know, pushing my own agenda. Um, so, yeah. Um, let's see. Sorry. I guess I, t- I have all these notes, and they're just a little bit more scattered than I thought they were. <laughs> so, sorry if it's a little disjointed. Thank you. Um, yeah. Oh, okay. So, I've been talking a lot about how humility has impacted our team, like all of this internal dynamic that we've had. Um, but it's also caused me to think, when, when, when I turn it more outwardly and how I interact with the world, really, um, we had this other speaker who's just great. Um, I'm just going to read some, one of the things that he said. 
because um, we talk we talk about like um, in Christ we have abundant life, and He blesses us and gives us good things. And he said, if my abundant life comes at the expense of another human being, then that abundance is not from Christ. My Mm -hmm. wants and needs do not supersede someone else's right to earn a fair wage or to be treated with dignity and respect. And to me, that means like, okay, um, this is another American thing um, with consumerism. And I was really convicted that I, I don't know where a lot of the things I buy come from. And like... And I haven't even done that much research, but just being told where, um, like, who's making my clothes, who's harvesting my coffee beans, um, and that's, I can be really nearsighted sometimes in those kinds of things. So I was really convicted to be more responsible in um, the things I consume and, like, the companies I support. So, and that's, that seems like a lot less personal, but when you think about it, it really is. Um, we had another teacher come who's, he was a, he come and he came and he taught like design, but he also has this, um, coffee business that he's, it's, it's pretty new, but, um, one of the, uh, main pillars of it is that they, they partner directly with coffee farmers that are, um, that they visit and they know that they treat their workers well and they are really intentional about supporting good, um, you know, working practices like that, and just, yeah, so that to me, that to me was really convicting, because I can talk about justice all I want, and I can talk about these people that I met, um, but if I go home, and I, like, (coughs) and I'm supporting companies that are exploiting (coughs) thousands and thousands of, um, people, and taking advantage of their situation, um, that's really irresponsible and hypocritical of me, so, yeah, and it's it's easy for me to say like well I don't know this person or like oh I didn't know but now that I know I'm responsible and I and I have to choose humility and say like okay I really want to go to this store where they have really cheap clothes that are cute and I can afford them um, but when I actually know that that company the reason that that those clothing that clothing is cheap enough for me to afford is because someone is not getting paid who's help, who's like making them then that's not fair and that's not my right to go do that. Um, so yeah, it was interesting that that actually like the concept of humility even applies to where I buy clothes and food and electronics. So that was interesting. Um, and that's really hard too, cause that takes work and research to figure stuff out. So I'm, I'm doing that with baby steps. It's a little overwhelming to do all of it at once. Um, yeah. Where am I going here? So, yeah. Okay. So, um, I don't think I started here like I was planning to, but <laughs> anyway, I guess. So what what exactly is humility? I've talked I've talked about like how choosing to be humble affects a lot of your behavior and the decisions you make, but where does it really stem from? Um, and the the best the thing that made the most sense to me anyway. This is an Andrew Murray thing from the book Humility. Um, humility is a deep understanding of where we are in relation to God and others. 
So basically, humility comes from an, an accurate understanding of who God made me to be. So it's a clear sense of identity. Um, and I think a lot of times, uh, previously when I thought about humility, I thought of like meekness and like kind of being a doormat and like letting, you know, putting others ahead of you, which it is, but it's not in like a, I am worth nothing kind of thing. Um, because when we have a clear sense of identity in God that says, um, God makes good things and therefore I am good. It's like, that's a godly confidence. That's not a, I am worth more than other people. It's like a confidence that literally comes from the fact that you are a creation of the creator of the universe, which is pretty cool. Um, and I think, and someone that knows that doesn't have to, um, defend themselves or like talk, I don't have to talk myself up because I'm good because God made me, you know? Um, and I think when I'm in that, and that's something like I'm still learning, like my, I don't respond out of that knowledge all of the time. It's, it has to be like an intentional thing that I choose to believe, um, when I react. So hopefully one day that will be a lot more reflexive and just want to think about it all the time. But and in the meantime, it's a good thing to think about. Um, so... But in that, you also recognize that others are other people are good because God made them, and you treat them as such with that dignity. And um, I don't really, I don't need to um, honor myself or applaud myself because I know who I am. Um, like I, but I also know that like that who other who other people are, and I can affirm them in that, and just be a lot more outwardly focused. Um, when I have that foundational knowledge. Um, yeah. So. <laughs> I feel like I've just been super scattered. I, do, I think I've, yeah. Do you want to take some questions? Yeah, I would love to take some questions. People ask me questions. <laughs> Anybody have a question about Questions can be about humility. <laughs> Not that I am a guru <laughs> on the topic. Maybe we better ask you at over lunch. It sounds like you've got a lot of things that are taking place. Yeah. I'm still kind of like mulling processing. them over and processing, processing them. Yeah. yeah. So it was good for me to like write all this stuff down. That was helpful. But I'm, I, I think I still need to practice talking about them. It's good, good stuff. It's not something you just hear. You really have to ponder it. And you really yeah. So it's, it's good, really good stuff. Yeah. And it's just, when we, when we talked about it, I, the whole year made sense, really. Like, mm -hmm. all of the hardships in the team kind of stemmed from lack of humility and not honoring and serving one another. Like, saying, okay, I've already washed the dishes three times today. <laughs> But there are still dishes in the sink, so I'm just going to leave them for someone else to deal with. But humility says, no, I'm going to continue to honor my team. That doesn't run out. That kind of grace doesn't run out when it's coming from the Lord. Like, my grace may run out, but if Christ is living in me, then I'm going to do that again because I love my team. And I'm not good at that yet. <laughs> I can do it a couple times. I can wash the dishes a couple times. <laughs> but then I'm like, all right, no. <laughs> now it's somebody else's turn. Yes. Should we ask for Robin and Paul to see if they've witnessed any 
Tested at home. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> Most people yeah, the, you rub shoulders with all the time, but what mm-hmm. you've learned has that helped you to see like unbelievers or people that you're ministering to in a different light? Mm-hmm. Um, I think um, there are some people in my life that I think it's really easy to respect and be humble around, but there are other people that like. Um, why well, I might I don't understand why they do the things they do. I, I really don't get it. Whether it's a cultural difference or like they were raised differently or for what what have you. Um, so in those moments, it has I have to like stop and say, okay, there is a reason that they are saying these things, <laughs> or there's a reason why. Like, oh my goodness, I, I'm thinking of this really difficult person we encountered in Jerusalem. This um, he was sexist and emotionally manipulative. He was the, the manager of our hostel in um, in Jerusalem. And I mean, at that point, we hadn't had all this teaching, so it's not all, like, <laughs> <laughs> contents in there. And it's, um, it's, But it was really hard not to be really angry and frustrated with this guy, because he just did not treat us well. Um, and we did, like, leave the hostel. Um, and I, I didn't have as many interactions with him my leader did, but I was still, like, really peeved at some of the things that he had said to her, um, and just, like, the way he made her feel, and, like, especially Anita, who, like, does not take things very personally, but she was just, like, this guy is rude, um, that, in that moment, like, that's really, that's hard to be humble, because it's, it's hard not to think, like, well, I have, (laughs) I would not treat someone this way, and I'm a better person because of that, um, but, when you, when I stop and think like okay what is the culture he's been raised in what what has he been taught growing up and I don't know the answer to a lot of those things but if I even like open that door and allow myself to think like like okay he's been I mean he grew up in Israel Israel is just a really angry place in general um, there's so much tension there and a lot of blame being passed around so um, if I think about that and I think about like he, as a, as a Muslim man in Israel especially, probably feels um, gypped all the time or feels like he, he doesn't have something that belongs to him, that it's been, something's been taken from him. Um, or, uh, you know, there's, there are so many different things that can um, contribute to that kind of behavior. Um, so when I take the time to, th- to think of, of those things, which I, I don't always do, but when I do and I stop and I say, like, okay, where's this person coming from? Mm-hmm. Even if I don't know, like, actually I can speculate mm-hmm. and just have a little bit more grace and understanding just mm-hmm. from doing that. So, yeah. So, Rachel, I'll, I'll switch it off of humility. Okay. And and to the, t- to the travels. Where in all of your travels would you say that you saw God's light shining forth? The most. The most. 
Mm. I mean, he's really, he's really everywhere. Um, That's a hard question. It is really hard. Okay, I will say, I I don't even, I don't know if this would be, like, the most, because I haven't, like, put them on a scale. Really. Well, one of the things that was really exciting to me um, was to go walk through the red light districts in Amsterdam um, with women who are ministering to the women in the windows and actually like, I, I mean, I, would, I, I went with them and we, it was so weird. We walked into a window with where these three Latino women were working and because they're... <coughs> They're all like grouped together. There's a Latino woman. There's an Eastern European woman. There's anyway. When you say windows, is it like storefront yeah. windows? Yeah, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah. That's like what the Netherlands is no, is known for in their like red light district. Is there literally what girls windows. dancing around in windows? And there's a red light um, next to like daycares. Like it's they've really they've gone to great lengths to normalize it. Um, you'll see like a little family walking by and like, you know, a stroller next to uh, right in front of one of the windows. But but anyway, this I walked into this one window where you like went back um, behind it. So we're not like actually in the window, but in the little room. And we prayed with them. And they were believers. Like they they prayed with us and they like asked the Lord to take them out of their situation. And um, it's really strange to me how sometimes the people who I think have the most reason to turn their back on God and to be bitter and hate him for where like maybe they could say like you've abandoned me and how like how can you be here that's where God is sometimes more and I think I mean there are more I think sometimes there are more atheists in corporate America or like where, where people are really well off where they feel like they don't need God mm-hmm. um so it was really cool to see like his presence there and in the places where people are really really desperate and really really trapped like they don't want to they don't want to be there um Mm -hmm. it's just a really hard place to get out of it's complicated but yeah seeing god at work there Mm -hmm. rachel where did you feel most uncomfortable um at first, probably with the ladyboys in Thailand. Hmm. That was <laughs> not. It was not my place. idea to go talk to them. Yeah. <laughs> but I was really, really glad that I did. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that prepared me for Indonesia, which I think would have might have been even more uncomfortable um, if I hadn't done the other one first. Mm-hmm. So. so you got you saw God caring for people at the most perverted stage of life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Maybe. Some of the most perverted stages of life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was really incredible to me, like, the faith that people can still have mm-hmm. after some of the things that they've gone through. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A lot to think about there. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, Rachel, thank you for coming. Thank you for having me. Thank you for going. Yes. Yeah. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you for, <laughs> thank you for sending me. You for really. <laughs> um, you can be here for lunch? Uh, 
Maybe. It's your call. It's yeah. my okay. Your call. Well, whatever. <laughs> if you are, we'll people like ask you more questions then. Yeah, I'll probably scram. Okay, let's pray again. <coughs> Lord, you've you've shown Rachel, people in all walks of life. But I, I, I've seen those storefronts, those window fronts in Amsterdam and 30, 40 years ago and I could barely look at them. Mm. And I've never seen the Ladyboy Cabaret or some of these things, Lord. But there are people, there are broken people all over. There are broken people in corporate America. There are broken people mm-hmm. in all walks of life and every sort of way that your truth has been corrupted and perverted. And yet we all have needs, Lord, to eat and to stay warm, to be free from disease. <coughs> and you call us, Lord, to serve in humility. We just thank you for (coughs) what you're showing Rachel Mm -hmm. and what you're forging into her life Mm -hmm. that will guide her steps for the rest of her days here on earth. Cause her to be a blessing to many. And Lord, just pray that what she shared this Mm -hmm. morning with us would resonate with us and let us consider this walk of humility and gratefulness Mm -hmm. versus entitlement. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we just pray your blessing upon her and her team, the leadership there, and the work that they're about to lay their hands to in Texas and Mm -hmm. Hawaii. Mm -hmm. Pray, Father, that um, your work would continue to be done in their hearts and their their lives together and, and Lord, in their efforts around the world. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Jesus. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Mm -hmm. Amen. Thank you. That was good praying. That was good praying. I've got my grandson. He knows exactly what to say. You've changed the way I go. Okay, Mary wants to uh, take the kids for just a minute for Sunday school, and uh, and we will we will take five minutes, Mary. Okay, five minutes. Um. I'm going to take one of these. These are a slip of paper. Would you like to read one? I'm not giving one to everybody, but just a few of you. Want to read one? Put some in here. Read this. So if you're not comfortable reading it, ask somebody to help you with it. Well, there's nine scriptures I passed out, and I want us to read them in groups of three, and then pray after each one. That's going to take about five minutes. But um, who has number one? I think I do. 
Okay, number is on, on the left. And number one, what happened was Preston last Sunday reminded me of this verse that I just love it. I love this verse. And I've been thinking about that and thinking about the new year. So, Pat, would you read number one? I will. 2 Corinthians 5, 5, So whether we are at home or away, we make it our aim to please him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. Because we are going to receive what is due, <coughs> we make it our aim to please him. We make it our aim to please him. Who has number two? Uh, number two. Yeah. Uh, Romans eight eighteen. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. There's going to be glory revealed to us. And the present day sufferings cannot compare. There's going to be glory revealed to us. And all the sufferings for those Christians that you saw in those places. The suffering is great, but the glory is greater. And they need to, we want them to hold fast, just like we want ourselves to hold fast to God, to the faith in God. The third verse Jeremiah 29 11 through 13. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will hear you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Hmm. A favorite verse for many. God knows his plans for you in 2014. For a future and a hope. We cling to that. That in the end, God works all things. So, what what could we take from these three verses? Um, we make it our aim to please Him, in spite of difficulties, because the glory that's going to be revealed is greater. Because He has a future and a hope for us. So let's seek Him with all of our heart. Right? That's what these three verses are saying. So, what's the pause? Want to pray, Tim? Would you lead us in a prayer along these lines? Can you can you do that for us? He's nodding yes. Yeah, let's let's pray for that. Those things. Lord, we thank you for these these words of life that you've mm-hmm. given us. Lord, where else could we go? Lord, we acknowledge that there is reason in the sufferings that we see and in the things that we endure with your strength, Lord, that um, they may change us and change our hearts to be more loving and more compassionate, Lord, to glorify you so that your glory may be great when it is revealed to us. And Lord, so we thank you for the great plans and for your great love for us. And we thank you for the eternal hope. Mm -hmm. 
and your boundless mercies. Mm -hmm. And we thank you that <coughs> you do hear and answer our prayers mm -hmm. when we seek you, that you meet with us. We thank you for meeting with us here this morning. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Who has verse number four? Ephesians 2.10 For we are his workmanship, created Christ Jesus for good work, which God prepared for us, that we should walk in them. Hmm. Hmm. We ask the Lord, Lord, why did you make me? And he says, I created you for good works, which I've already prepared. <coughs> now walk in them. Walk in these things. Verse five with the number five. Who has that one? First Timothy six, seventeen through nineteen. Mm. As for the rich in this present age, charge them to not be haughty, nor set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God, who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. They are to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, thus storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the future, so that they may take hold of that which is truly life. Mm. You're all rich. You're all, you're all rich. He's speaking to us. It, Rachel has seen some people that weren't rich in some ways. But you're, you're rich. And he says, he says, give. He says, give. Share. Be ready to share. Be ready to do good. And he says, in, in so doing that you will be able to take hold of what is really, what's really life. See, life isn't wrapped up in your richness. Life is wrapped up in you following Christ and knowing Him. And to give to others in the act of humility is that you're, you're ready now to receive what's really life. You know, you're being afraid to talk to the lady boys. You know, and yet being willing to share even yourself, God has given you a vision into another aspect of, of life, right? Mm -hmm. Number six is John 14, verse 12. Truly, truly, I say to you, whosoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these will he do. Because I am going to the Father. Hmm. Boy, if there's ever a verse you could think about for a while, mm -hmm. it would be this verse. I mean, I've heard lots of explanations. And I, I, I think I have formulated how we could possibly <coughs> think we could do greater works than Christ. <laughs> but it's all by God's power, obviously. I mean, it's clearly God's Spirit at work in every situation that causes us to hope to this. But yet, Jesus... He says, if you believe, you're going to do this. And you're going to do greater things because, see, Jesus is still necessarily at work praying in the presence of the Father. So these three verses have to do with what? Um, created for good works. Good and greater works in Christ. Good and greater works in Christ. So, Roger, would you offer up a prayer? how we might enter into these things that we've been created to do.
Father, you've given us so many blessings. And yet I think so many times we don't take advantage of what you've given us. Mm -hmm. We don't take advantage of who you've placed us around. We don't take advantage of how you've equipped us. And Father, I pray that you would open our eyes to to use what you've given us. Mm -hmm. To use it to minister to hurting people who need our help on a very physical level. I pray that you would use it so that we could minister to those who need our help on a truly spiritual level. And Father, if we need more equipping, pour your Holy Spirit out upon us. Use your Use, use other brothers and sisters around us to give us encouragement so that we can stand together and go forth and minister and use what you've given. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Roger. Number seven. Who has number seven? John 6, 28, 29. Then they said to him, What must we do to be doing the works of God? Jesus answered them, This is the work of God, that you believe in him, whom he has sent. Such a such a focusing and centering verse. Because when you want to do the work of God, you could be all over the map, right? Mm-hmm. And he says, to do the work of God, believe Jesus. Believe in Jesus. Believe Jesus. Believe into Jesus. Come inside of Jesus to a place of belief in him. Number eight. Acts 16, 29 through 31. And the jailer called out for lights and rushed in and trembled with fear. He fell down before Paul and Silas, and then he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, you and your household. One of the greater works. Believe in the Lord Jesus and you'll be saved. Each and every day of your life. Mm-hmm. Verse number 9. Who has that? Mark 9, 22-24. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus said to him, If you can, all things are possible for one who believes. Immediately the father of the child cried out and said, I believe, help my unbelief. 
if the criteria to be raised up from a dead man to be born again in Christ is to believe then all things are possible for the one who believes if you can if you can be transferred from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light through belief <coughs> in Jesus then then what would ever be withheld through belief in Jesus Greg, I'm going to ask you to pray a prayer about believing for us. Lord, we know that the only work that matters is to believe in Jesus. Mm -hmm. Apart from that foundation, everything else is just a, a wisp of smoke, a vapor that disappears. And Lord, sadly, that this past mm -hmm. week we've seen the consequences of a life that disappears without Jesus and it's it's just heartrending. Mm. And so Lord I just am so grateful that the work of God is to believe in Jesus. Because that brings us into your eternal rest. Where we don't strive and we don't struggle, but we just rest in you, Lord. And our eyes are open and our hearts prepared. And we're just so grateful for that. And we give you thanks, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Y'all look on page 38 on your song sheet. Matthew, you want to come up? <coughs> <coughs>
Thank you for your, your presence here with us this morning. <coughs> we thank you, Lord, for this little girl that Mary spoke of who's heard your message now, Father, and has a hope and a promise in her heart. And Lord, we lift up Diego and Jeffrey and all the other names that Rachel mentioned mm-hmm. and all the situations that they are in. Lord, those women in the windows, mm-hmm. those boys and girls scavenging in the dump. Lord, those boys at the cabaret show and all of the others, Lord, and all the unnamed countries that, and even down the street here who go through life angry at you, loving sin. Lord, we just pray, Father, for your mercy, just like you've shown us your mercy. Well, make us instruments of your mercy this year. Father, teach us your ways. Mm-hmm. We need you. And we we know that we need you, Lord. And you are so gracious to give yourself to us. So, Lord, we ask your blessing. We give you our hearts and our desires. In Jesus' name.